get what you want, you don't want it. If I gave you the moon, you'd grow tired of it soon. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Moments Report podcast. My name is Emmett Okuna and with me today is a very special guest, filmmaker and festival organiser, which I guess is what we're going to be talking about, Bryony Kidd. Yes, hello Emmett. Thank you very much for talking to me on your show. Excellent stuff, excellent stuff. And you are here to talk about Stranger With My Face, which is a festival you are organising. Yes, it is. It's um, the second time we've had the festival, which is the Stranger With My Face Horror Film Festival. We had it for the first time last February in Hobart, which was Women in Horror Recognition Month, um, and that's kind of how it originally came about, I guess. And this year it's actually happening in March, uh, but we do have a, a few events happening in February as well. So it's, it's sort of grown <laughs> quite yeah. And, and is getting a lot bigger than we expected. So that's sort of exciting, but a, a bit scary at the same time. <laughs> so there, there's a broad interest in learning more about women in horror, you think? There really is, I think. Um, particularly yeah. in Australia, it's a niche that's just really not being catered for at all by any other festivals or by the mainstream uh, cinema programming, I guess. Um, there, there have been uh, women in horror festivals in America for a while. Um, and I think there's been some in the UK, but this is, as far as I know, it's the only one in Australia that we've got. Um, and it's just something that seems to sort of instantly connect with people, and they just think, oh, well, that sounds interesting, or you know, I really would like to see more horror directed by women or written by women. Um, but I, you know, I don't know where to find it, or are there any women directing horror? And then we say, yes, there are. So come to our festival. So it sort of sells itself in a way, I guess, is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's an interesting point of distinction because typically when you read articles about women in horror, they, they tend to be referring to screen queens or, or final girls. Yeah. Or there was have... a great um, PSA that somebody did for Women in Horror Month, which is this month. I can't actually remember who, who's done it now, but uh, it's a really good little sort of cartoon explaining the concept of Women in Horror Month and why it's important and stuff. Um, and there was just a bit that said, um, yes, there's always been women in horror and then it had a picture of a screen queen lying on the floor covered in blood, and it said, no, that's not what we mean. <laughs> we still love you, screen queens, but what we're talking about is different. So we still love the screen queens, and we embrace them, and, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis in Halloween and Sissy Spacek and Carrie and all these brilliant, wonderful people, and they're still, you know, really important to what we're doing. Mm. But the directors and writers and people who are sort of actually in a position to have control over the whole project, that is a different thing. And I think that's what people don't quite understand sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's, I was just watching um, Maniac Cop there recently, which uh, yeah. is a fine, schlocky film. <laughs> I but haven't they, seen that yet. They, they had Laureen Landon in it, who yeah. was a frequent collaborator with um, Larry Cohn. And what struck me about her, she was playing this character who's this hard-boiled, undercover detective, Mm. And yet, at almost every given opportunity, she lets out this scream, like this screeching <laughs> scream, like completely out of character. You know? But I guess yeah. that's what a woman in a horror film would do at that time. Well, it's almost like an expected ingredient. Like you have the screams, you have the breasts, you have the blood, mm. and they all sort of add up to what people are looking for. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, that kind of thing can be fun, but it, it, I guess it is frustrating, particularly for young girls growing up watching horror films and always seeing that kind of representation because it's such a very narrow character, I guess. It's a very narrow field of what you can do. Yeah. So um, on with, with this year, I was wondering maybe if you could just talk it through, what do you have lined up for people in March? Well, we have a lot of a lot of things. We have actually two, I guess, content generating competitions that are part of the festival, and those are one of them's already happened. But we'll be sort of showing the results of those on the first night of the festival. Anyway, there's um, the awards night for our 48-hour Tazploitation challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happened. Um, I think it was the last. Week. Yeah, uh, so we had uh, 14 filmmakers making a short horror film in 48 hours, and we asked them to think about things like the Tasmanian connection of the film, because we were calling it Tasploitation. Um, we asked them to think about gender, because we sort of emphasised that in every part of the festival, even though yep. it's actually, it actually was open to men and women. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll be screening the results of that in a sort of fun awards night with all the filmmakers and giving out prizes and that that should be really good because the films are amazing I've already watched a few of them mm-hmm. uh, we also have a script challenge which is on at the moment um, so we'll have an awards night for that as well that's part of the festival but the main program, we have a handful of feature films and we have a big block of short horror films by women from around the world um, although actually a lot of them are from Australia this year which is really fantastic oh, that's great, yeah yeah, like last year when I was trying to find one screen from Australia, I really couldn't find very much. And um, it seems quite different this year. So I don't know what's happened, whether I'm just better at finding them or a whole lot of women are suddenly making them more. But um, yeah. it's great because obviously a big part of our motivation for having the festival is to sort of promote um, these filmmakers and bring them to a wider audience. And it's great if they're, you know, Australian women who we can also have fly down for the festival and be here and meet mm-hmm. each other and so we've got a lot more of that happening this year we've got quite a few filmmakers coming down which is really really good but the, the feature films that we have um on the opening night we have uh despite the gods which is a feature documentary by penny Wozniak, and it's actually about jennifer lynch the filmmaker um who happens to be david lynch's daughter as well Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about her story um, making a sort of horror Bollywood film in India. It's one of those nightmare <laughs> filmmaking documentaries. Okay. <laughs> it's actually really, really interesting and entertaining, um, and it's absolutely on topic because the whole point of our festival is about sort of empowering women in the film industry, and, and you know, we know, because myself and Rebecca Thompson, who are the two directors of the festival, we're both filmmakers and we sort of know about what extra challenges women have directing, I guess, in terms of, you know, being in control of a big set and the power dynamics and all of that. So there's a lot about that in this, this film with Jennifer Lynch that's really fascinating and just what it takes for her to have this career as a, as a director being a, you know, 40 something woman, single woman with a teenage daughter and, being David Lynch's daughter and all of the image mm. that she has. So we just thought that was the ideal film for us because it sort of sums up a lot of the things that our filmmakers are grappling with and thinking about. And it's also a, sort of a horror thing that she's making as well. So it's really appropriate. 
Well, it's it's, it's kind of interesting with particularly Jennifer Lynch, isn't it? Because she made she made Boxing Helena, didn't she? Yeah, she Back did. In the day. And that that caused a huge fuss at yeah. the time. Um, which was ironic, really, because she was trying to say something with the movie, but she was being accused of being uh, yeah. And I don't, I don't really understand that because I watched it again recently, just to sort of see whether it held up or you know. And obviously, it has its faults, but I don't really understand the accusation of being misogynistic or yeah, not if you actually watch the whole thing. Perhaps if you watch the first half, you might think it was, but. Um, you get to the end of it, you can see what point she was making, and it's actually, yeah, as you said, it's sort of the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, I just find it curious that someone like I, I, I was not aware she was actually still working in film because she mm. took a bit of battering with. She, that. she took about fifteen years off. I mean, she yeah. was traumatized by that whole experience, as you yeah. would be as a nineteen-year-old getting that level of pressure. Yeah, and then you've got the likes of say. Abel Ferrara, who did Driller Killer, you know, and he's fated as this festival favours, and you've got Sam Raimi, who did the original bloody tree rape film, which is Evil Dead, and he's now this major filmmaker, you know, so the contrast yeah, is quite interesting. It's pretty unfair, I think, that whole thing, because it was really a pretty low-budget film, and it had its faults, but it was just bold, artistic risk-taking, really, and I don't know why you would come down hard on someone for doing that. <laughs> But anyway, um, she's yes. back and she's got, she's had uh, three films now that have all been really interesting. Um, her latest one is Chained, which is a serial killer film with um, Vincent D'Onofrio. And um, she's just a really interesting filmmaker, I think. So um, we're, we're happy to have, you know, Despite the Gods showing a lot of, I guess, her journey and mm-hmm. people will relate to that. Um, but we've also got the film American Mary on the opening night as well. Oh, the Soska Sisters. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> which is sort of like we have to have that film because oh, yeah. Yeah. they're, I mean, they're sort of the face of female horror directors at the moment to some extent. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jennifer is as well, I guess, but they're really out there sort of representing the genre and women and, and also monster pictures was a sponsor of our festival last year and they are again this year. So that's enabled us to have that film, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a really, I think it's a really interesting film. Like it's a huge step up from their first film. Mm-hmm. And it's just talking about so many themes that are very, very topical to women at the moment, I suppose, um, about body image and, and it's sort of a bit of a satire of uh, a woman who's uh, a medical student and, the sort of politics of all of that and how she gets badly treated and how she responds to it. Mm. Um, so I guess that's kind of an allegory for w- women in the film industry as well. And I think the Soskers have actually said that that's what it was. So <laughs> we have two horror films on the opening night about being women directors in the film industry. <laughs> so that's interesting. It's, it's on theme. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, but uh, we're not we're not um, pessimistic um, really at all. We're actually very positive about it because um, I mean one of the great things about our festival and Women in Horror Month and all these things that are happening is you know how supportive everyone is being of each other and uh, you know the fans and men as well and everyone just getting together and saying you know we want there to be more of these films and why aren't there and mm. just supporting each other I guess. So it's actually a pretty positive thing. It's not um, 
yeah, we're not getting up and moaning about how horrible everything is. Very good, very good. And another aspect of this year's festival is the 10 by 10 script challenge. I was just wondering yes. if you maybe talk about that. Yeah, well, we had that last year and it was really successful last year because uh, we didn't promote it very much and we got, I think, 60 people registered. And it's basically um, you have to write a short horror script in 10 days. So you get emailed a, a secret co- code word or a, a theme or something and you have 10 days to come up with something. Um, and so we did that last year and we got, uh, I think, yeah, 60 people registered and then 40 people actually turned in a, in a script at the end, mm. which I was quite surprised by. I thought most of them would probably drop out. Um, and we had a really high standard of work and we had um, an awards night where we had live readings of some of the scripts and um, actually the script that won last year was called Little Lamb um, by Heidi Douglas, who's a Tasmanian uh, writer, who a filmmaker as well. And her script was a sort of retelling of Bluebeard, but in a Tasmanian convict setting with like a con- convict woman and this horrible um, character who comes to get one of the women as a servant and he's a, sort of a Bluebeard figure. Mm. So that won the competition last year and then it actually got went into production because through the um, Raw Nerve scheme with um, Wide Angle Tasmania and Screen Australia. Um, so, you know, we actually got to see that right through the process from Heidi sort of having an idea late one night and quickly handing in a script to going into production and getting made in Hobart. And, you know, I went along and was an extra on the set playing a convict woman. And <laughs> so, you know, we all sort of got involved in it. And that was a really satisfying thing to see that we sort of actually sparked some production. And that is very much what happened that writers or filmmakers who'd never really thought of doing horror before suddenly thought, oh, yeah, I do have a horror idea. I do want to do something dark. And it sort of liberated them to be able to do that. that, that that's what I'm curious about, actually. Was Heidi, did she have much of a background in film writing before, or was this just a perfect storm of inspiration, like a limited framework she could work with? Well, she's actually a documentary filmmaker, so yeah. um, she's got a lot of experience in that area, and she's actually working on a doco about the guns um, stuff in Tasmania. Yeah. But, yeah, she hadn't really done fiction filmmaking at all, so it really did just give her permission to have a go at that, and she says that, you know, that has really changed things for her dramatically because mm-hmm. she's really, I guess, you know, she wasn't even thinking of horror or fiction at all, and now she's really passionate about it and into it. Yeah. Um, and she just did a film for our 48 hour challenge as well. So <laughs> <laughs> I think it's given her a whole, whole new direction in a way. Yeah. 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 So and, a, lot, a lot more productive then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for this year we've got, uh, cause the challenge has already started this year. We've got over a hundred people doing it this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of them are professional writers because we do have a specific award. It's called the Beyond the Grave Award for a professional writer from another field, such as a poet or a playwright or a novelist. And that's just sort of formalising what happened last year anyway, just saying, look, this is a competition that's open to everyone, but it's not, you know, it's not necessarily about total novices who who don't write because, frankly, you know, I don't really care if people who don't write never write if you know what I mean like I don't 
need to convince people to become writers if they're not. Mm. Um, it's more to me about giving people who already are writers um, a challenge and something to expand their creativity and, you know, be part of a community. Um, so we've already got, we have got quite a few professional writers signed up and doing the challenge. We've got novelists and playwrights and some film journalists as well, I think, which would be interesting. Mm. Um, so that, yeah, I really like that part of it is just sort of getting, giving people permission to step outside their normal area. Cause you know, it's not a major commission or anything. It's just a little competition. So they're not putting too much pressure on themselves. Um, and I know as a writer myself that um, that's often where the best stuff comes and the, the most fun things to write, I guess. But it, that's what's so great about the competition itself, because you're giving people a venue maybe to try out things they wouldn't have done otherwise, because right. there is this perception of films, this closed shop, you know. Yeah, and I think that's really wrong, and I think particularly with writers, because um, I sort of have to do with playwrights a bit as well, and I've written plays, and just find there's such a strange division between the different areas, like playwrights and, uh, you know, theatre and film and uh, comic books and whatever. Like, I don't understand why they don't sort of cross over more and why people don't move from one to the other more than they do because I think they are intimidated and they think, oh, you know, I don't know how to, how to format the screenplay so they'll laugh at me or something. Yeah. Which is just ridiculous because that's the least important part of you know, writing a screenplay. It's actually the storytelling that is the most important thing, which is what they already know how to do. So, yeah, that's really appealing to me. Um, And we also have an award called the Miss Havisham Award. uh, (laughs) Very (laughs) good. For the best script that portrays gender in an innovative, balanced and or original way. Okay. Um, So I guess that's a little bit like having a Bechdel test part of it you're familiar with the Bechdel test yeah 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 so there are actually are script competitions now that have a Bechdel test sort of award but I, I mean that's fine but I find that a little bit um I suppose technical because simply the fact that you have two women speaking to each other is really just that's all it means it doesn't really mean anything um about the quality of the script I suppose mm. So rather than having that, which is a little bit prescriptive, we thought we'd just have a more discretionary prize that we can sort of work out when we think someone's doing something really interesting in that area. Um, and I suppose it's a little bit of social engineering <laughs> because um, we do have obviously male and female writers signing up for it. And um, I just find it's really interesting when you say to writers, um, you know, think about gender in your script um, we're not forcing you to do anything. Like, if you don't want to win that prize, you know, don't worry about it. But just even making a suggestion often has quite an interesting effect, I think, because people just start considering things that they might have never considered before. Mm. Well, it's a, no, it's just interesting you mentioned Bechdel there, because I was thinking there was this report recently that Tarantino has come out and said that Death Proof is his worst film. <laughs> or he, people think it's the worst film, and I actually quite enjoyed that movie. Uh, <laughs> I, did, I did, wasn't crazy about *Planet Terror*, but I, I liked *Death Proof*, um, particularly because there were just scenes where uh, yeah, the group of women just chatting. Yeah, yeah. They were just talking, and the only real scene where one of them was concerned with a man was where the 
pro- presumed female lead, we then later learn she's not, um, texts her boyfriend. Mm. She was texting him. And that was it. That was the limit of the interaction. <laughs> and I quite liked that. But um, I, I would hate to think that it, it was it was judged because it was just a bunch of women chatting and then this horrible thing happens to them. Um, it seemed to be underrated film. Well, it's interesting. I I actually kind of prefer the, um, the other one, Planet Terror, but um, probably that is what I do like about Death Bruce, just that what you're talking about, the, that sort of relationship that's set up amongst the group and that casual kind of camaraderie, I suppose. Mm. And you just were making me think of the film um, The Descent, um, Neil Marshall film, because I was – talking to someone about that a while ago who'd, who'd just seen it for the first time and they were sort of raving about it, like, oh, there's just all these women and they just they just act normally and they just talk to each other and <laughs> it's it's so bizarre that that could be That's seen. actually something to laud, you know. <laughs> That's something special. Yeah, but it kind of was. I don't think he thought that he was doing anything that amazing. He just thought it would be cool to have an all-female cast, but it's sort of treated like some really odd, bizarre thing to do. Um, and all it means is that you get much better female characters because when you only have one or two, obviously they're just much more likely to flip into the archetypes because it's like, well, she's the girlfriend character, so, you know, that's her personality is being a girlfriend or mm. she's a bitch and that, you know, where the more women you have, the more likely it is that they're actually going to be interesting, entertaining characters, I think. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, also another thing I like about this project and what you're what you're trying to promote is that you're offering a, a change of perspective, mm. and that can be very fruitful in terms of producing work that is fresh, which is original, that you know does challenge your preconceptions of what horror is. Yeah, I mean, I think that's very much why I'm interested in horror in the first place, and I, I, I think Rebecca would agree with me. It's um, it's a sort of a a part of filmmaking where you can push boundaries and think quite deeply about really difficult things, um, but I suppose in a safe way because it's enter- an entertainment genre. So people <laughs> people are not necessarily turned off by it. They don't go, ooh, they're trying to talk about something weird and mm. difficult. Uh, they don't perhaps notice that. But as the director or as the writer – um, you have this incredible freedom to really push yourself. So that's the kind of films that I've tried to program and that we're trying to promote, um, you know, the kind of filmmakers we're trying to promote is people who are using the genre to actually say something. Mm. Um, and I don't mean in a message, you know, no. like about no. global warming or whatever, but um, to say something authentic to them, I guess, whatever that might be, like it might just be, you know, I like um, films about women kicking ass or something. Like, if that's what they love, then that's authentic. But for them to sort of channel that original part of themselves through the genre, mm-hmm. um, rather than just sort of replicating stuff that we've all seen before, because obviously that is one of the big the big issues in the horror genre is the amount of recycled crap that's out there. Yeah. Yeah, I um I saw a gif from the um, new Evil Dead remake, mm. and uh, I thought it was amusing because they had the the creature in the in the cellar popping. It's a and it's a woman this time 
popping her head out of the fruit cellar. The character was originally a woman in the in the original film, but it was played by a man <laughs> because it was, it was Ted Raimi. But yeah. now we actually they've actually got an actress playing this thing in the basement <laughs> trying to get out. That's really interesting, yeah. Because um, I've got a, got a real thing about female monsters in movies, like sort of trying to find them and why aren't there more of them, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, like where is the female equivalent of, you know, Candyman or um, the villains in, you know, Friday the 13th, Halloween, all of that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and there just aren't very many of them. So I guess it's interesting that you're saying, like, there have been some, like, Zelda in Pet Cemetery. And she was played by a man. So mm. even when it is a woman, it's not a woman. Yes. Yeah. No. That. That's. That's. That's what I. I thought as well. I just thought it was such a weird thing. Yeah. Um. We. We. You. You're almost talking Elizabethan theatre here. You know, where all the parts being played by men. You know, it's just. <laughs> it's just odd. <laughs> it is a little bit odd. Yes. Um. But we actually have a talk that. Uh. We have another part of the festival which I haven't. We haven't announced yet. But it's okay. The um, Mary Shelley Symposium. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a grandiose um, way of describing that we're having a range of talks and discussions. Um, and one of the talks that we're having is uh, Tansy Rayner Roberts, who's a fantasy novelist, and she's going to talk about um, female monsters in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been having some discussions with her about that today, actually. Um, and she's sort of done a real study of, about that because she's a bit of a Doctor Who expert. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, about what the monsters were throughout the history of that show and why they were the gender that they were and what that meant. Um, and sometimes there'd be a gender neutral monster, but it would be assumed to be a male or, um, I think she found that, um, most of the female monsters were always motivated by, um, their children being in danger or, jealousy about a man or Hmm. so i guess that's another area where women are sort of underrepresented in horror is is just um as villains and what what kind of feelings and emotions they're allowed to have in these films i guess because it has traditionally been fairly fairly narrow um and then you apply that to the idea of girls growing up i think not being able to express anger or not thinking that girls are allowed to be angry yep. um, because they haven't seen that in the stories that they've been watching. So there's all this kind of interesting stuff that we're sort of trying to pull together, I guess. Hmm. Very good. Um, how about yourself? About your own work in film? Are you working on anything at the moment aside from the festival or anything in yeah. progress? Yeah, um, I'm not working on it too much right at the moment, but... <laughs> I'm developing a feature film that I'm planning to shoot late in the year, which is, you know, a bit of a rash step. But um, because I have made some short films and I made a short a couple of years ago um, called The Room at the Top of the Stairs, which is a gothic melodrama. Yep. And that was that did well in the horror sort of area. Um, so I sort of feel like I've got a bit of a understanding of the horror market in the festival world and all of that so um rather than hanging around for another few years and trying to get government funding i've sort of written a script that i can shoot 
relatively achievably in Hobart. Mm-hmm. And it's called Daughters of the Everlasting Luster, and it's actually a sort of Jalo film or neo Jalo, I guess you could. Oh, say. great! Okay. Yeah. So, so that that explains the uh, slightly pretentious title because the, those films always have titles that are a little bit out there. As long as you don't kill Asia Argento in it, I think you're fine. <laughs> well, I would if I could. If I could. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to do that. But, yeah. I think we probably can't afford her. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's um, kind of exciting because I get to just do stuff that I find cool, I suppose. Um, and I guess there is a bit of a angle, a gender angle with it just because not very many Jalo films have been directed by women, if any, I suppose. Mm. Um, but at the same time, the really great Jalo films in the 70s and 80s and uh, maybe beyond, I don't know. But they had a real interest in gender and that's actually an area where there were female villains, um, like things like Deep Red and some of those Dario Argento films, um, really interesting female characters and really sort of evil women. And, um, but, yeah, I like the idea of, putting my own twist on that, I suppose. Um, and part of that will be making it quite intense in terms of the performance style. Because um, as well as horror, I also really love melodrama. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I guess you can define melodrama in a negative way or a positive way, but I, I think of it as things like those really great Hollywood films like um, Gaslight and... Um, even things like Rebecca, I suppose, Hmm. Um, that sort of intensity of emotion um, that's really sort of oppressive. And I think that ties in really well with with Jalo to me Hmm. um, because it's sort of another part of the same thing. Um, So I'm thinking of this film as being a little bit Jalo and a little bit sort of Bergman, um, which is... Oh, perhaps a bit presumptuous, but that Bergman sort of really intensity with performance and actors um, where I don't know if you've ever seen like Cries and Whispers or Persona or something like that. But he'll create situations with actors and performance that you sort of almost feel like you're going mad yourself just watching it because it's so intense and so sort of raw and that that's a sort of um, almost an ideal kind of horror to me because that comes purely from writing and performance and the power of the ideas. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to try and combine that with also the extreme violence of people just getting killed in really cool, <laughs> dramatic ways. <laughs> well, you reminded me of um, that Michaela Suave film, uh, De la Morte de la More. Oh, I, no, I haven't seen that one. Uh, I think they, they titled it Cemetery Man in America. Rupert oh. Everett was yeah. in it. But that was uh, very much in the style. It was like a latter-day giallo, but they also had a lot of melodrama in it because you've got Rupert Everett pining after this woman who then keeps mm. dying and then coming back and then dying <laughs> again. And uh, he, his heart keeps breaking. And then it's so... It, it, like, it, it flirts with pretentiousness quite <laughs> 
quite quite regularly, but I love it because it's so funny and um, they did play up the emotion of it as well mm-hmm. on top of the gore. So yeah, in terms of what you're trying to achieve, I think it I think Yellow's perfect for that because it it allows you to move into those areas. Oh, I have to watch that. I, I think also it's um, the reason I like Jalo so much is. It's not so concerned with taste, um, <laughs> like what you're saying about, you know, going into pretentiousness. Well, I don't mind that. Like, if you go a bit too far, you go over the top and uh, people are a bit embarrassed by that bit of it or whatever. But to me, that's so much more interesting than just playing it safe and not yeah. risking that kind of embarrassment. Yeah, no, I agree. Jalo is kind of all about that. It's just, let's just go for it and see what we can do that's crazy and... <laughs> Uh, it might not work at all, but it might be really amazing. And I, I just think there's not enough of that in, in filmmaking at the moment. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. Um, is there anything else maybe you'd like to announce in relation to the festival for people interested in going? Um, yes, what else would I like to announce? Um, well, we have um, another film called Johnny Ghost, which is yeah. by a Melbourne writer-director, Donna McRae. And that is a really interesting film. It's... Um, it's sort of a post-punk ghost story. So as a woman who's sort of haunted by her her past in as in a punk band in the 80s. So it's got some music by the birthday party in it, I think. And also um, the soundtrack is by um, Dave Brainy and Claire Moore. It's a really interesting soundtrack. Um, so it's it's probably not what people would think of as horror necessarily, but it fits in that tradition um, and it's a really sort of subtle, interesting film and definitely um, what I was saying before about that personal impulse to make a genre film. It's very much that, I think. Mm. Um, and it also has Annie Finistra in the lead um, and she's a really great character actor that I think, um, you know, perhaps hasn't had the chance to have a lead role as often as she should have um, because maybe she's not... Um, I don't know, the conventional beauty that that is offered those roles. Um, so I think that's really great as well because mm. there's so many actors out there that sort of would relish that chance and would bring something amazing to the screen and they just don't get to do it as much as they should. Um, so that's a fantastic film. And we've also got actually a radio play, um, which is, uh, by Hilary Bell, who's a really renowned Australian playwright, and she always seems to write in this sort of area of Gothic, um, particularly female Gothic, I guess. Um, but this radio play is called Beautiful Hands, um, and she wrote it a few years ago for Radio National, and they did a really beautiful recording of it. Um, and But we're going to do a live reading of it with uh, local actors down here and live live foley and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's also going to be talking about it. But basically Beautiful Hands is a, it's sort of a sequel to the story um, The Yellow Wallpaper, which is a classic feminist um, short story from I think it's maybe the 1890s or something in America. Um, and it's about a woman who's sort of basically going mad in her bedroom looking at the wallpaper um, so it's that sort of classic f- feminist subtext of horror, I suppose, um, similar to, to Gaslight, um, where basically the woman's situation 
which is essentially a political situation, I suppose, of her powerlessness in society, um, is sort of turned inward and becomes a sort of horrific psychological situation. So, you know, I just heard that radio play and I thought it would be absolutely perfect for us to have because it ties in exactly with, with a lot of the things that we're interested in. And Hillary's just an amazing playwright and I love the idea of filmmakers listening to playwrights and, and vice versa because I just don't think that that really happens enough. Mm. And also a live performance of, of a script like that, it's quite an intimate presentation as well, so it'll be quite rich. Yeah, I think it would be quite intense because we have um, all of our events are at the Peacock Theatre in Hobart, which is, um, I don't know if you know it, but it's it's quite an interesting theatre that has a sort of a, uh, what would you call it, like a raw rock face at the back, on the back wall instead of, you know, a normal wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so you always light it in a really dramatic kind of way and it has this really great atmosphere down at Salamanca and it's it's sort of a... It's kind of a special place, I suppose. So I think something like that will work really well in that in that setting. Mm. Excellent, excellent stuff. But one other thing I did remember is that we're having a masterclass um, by Steve Boyle, mm-hmm. who's a makeup special effects artist uh, who's worked on um, The Hobbit and uh, Bates 3D. He did the shark for Bates 3D. Um, Daybreakers, like he started off uh, making films with the Fury Brothers, um, so the their vampire films, and then he sort of went from there to become really successful and working on all these big, huge Hollywood films. Um, so he's going to come down and do a masterclass about um, his work and how he creates the characters and the effects and show clips from his films, and um, I think he might actually bring down some of the prosthetics that he uses and that kind of stuff. So that's going to be really exciting, I think, um, and sort of inspiring for anyone who's trying to get into that kind of area Um, because it sort of ties in again with the idea of monsters, which I guess we have a little bit of a theme going this year um, about that sort of of stuff. Yeah, so I think that would be really good and, and pretty popular. It's it's actually interesting you should mention that because um, I love going to conventions now where not only do you have this huge fad of cosplay um, in Australia, but you have horror cosplay where you have uh, young women who've done their own makeup and mm. they've done their own prosthetics. And I, I was sitting at a table with a, with a writer I'm friends with. We were just chatting away. And this young woman came up to us and she was shuffling along as a zombie. And then she just gave us this big, bright smile. It was the scariest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> but she was then handing out cards yeah. with her details saying, oh, I, this is what I do. Yeah. So the cosplay scene is actually giving uh, young people with an interest in prosthetics and makeup and all this another avenue. Mm. As opposed to the bottleneck of trying to get into film, if they just go to convention and they get all decked out, they can maybe attract some attention. So it's that would be good to see have a masterclass with someone like Boyle who can maybe give them a few tips. And, yeah, yeah, well, we have um, Mel Cooper, who's uh, someone down here, who's kind of our artist in residence because she's our she's our Tasmanian um, makeup special effects um, person, I guess. I mean, she's not. At Steve's level, she's sort of an emerging artist, 
but she's incredibly talented and she's coming up with new characters and crazy things all the time, sometimes for people's films down here, but sometimes just for fun on the weekend. Hmm. <laughs> like, oh, I'm going to do a, a mummy shoot this weekend or, you know, I'll do an alien. or So it'll be great for her to hang out with Steve as well. Um, but she's going to be doing makeup and horror makeup and on our volunteers throughout the festival. So we'll have people around sort of in character, adding a bit of atmosphere to everything. Great. Great stuff. Mm. Well, uh, hopefully I'll, I'll try and make it over myself, but uh, yeah, definitely worth catching for anyone interested in horror, I think. Yes, and if they come down, they can also go and have a look at Mona because <laughs> that seems to be the the thing that people want to do at the moment. Um but, you know, come down, see our festival for the weekend, uh, stay for Monday as well, and then you can go to Mona on the Monday. <laughs> Good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, listen, thanks very much for talking to me, Bryony. And, uh, yeah, for anyone out there who's interested in finding out more, uh, what's, what's the best website for them to visit? Uh, yes, it's just uh, www.strangerwithmyface.com. And we have a we have a mailing list there, so they can sign up if they want to get any of the announcements and the the programming. Um, full programming will be released next week, and the tickets will go on sale and all of that. Great stuff, great stuff. Looking forward to it. Okay, well, thanks again, and uh, yeah, uh, folks, I hope you enjoy that. Uh, if you want to send me any messages, you can get me on Twitter, emmetoc underscore. Cheers, all the best. Thank you.